think the social multiplier effect of workplace misconduct, you know, 1.59x, each incident of workplace misconduct leads to 0.59 more incidences of workplace misconduct, right? And so, you know, we've all known that phrase forever of like, a rotten apple can spoil the bunch. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on all around us and explore the disruptive convergence of technology, business, and people. Here are your hosts, Ira Wolf and Jason Cochran. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. I'm Ira Wolf. And I'm Jason Cochran. If you think this is just another podcast, think again. We're the voice of the most important conversations on the future of work confronting business leaders and people today. Our goal is to bring you ways to reimagine tomorrow and explore the ever-changing convergence of business, technology, and people. Jason, it seems like it's been forever since we've hosted Geek Skeezers and Googleization together. Right. Uh, and can you believe it's the end of August? Uh, your kids are back in school almost two weeks, which is somewhat crazy. That's um, right. And they already picked up germs from school somehow. Oh, oh, oh yeah. That's, that's going around, too. Day one for me yesterday of teaching innovation and entrepreneurship in Muhlenberg is already in the books. And that went pretty well. But I mention all this because in the background of what we consider normal events, the pace of change just keeps accelerating and shift continues to hit all our plans, which only makes today's topic so much more intriguing and troubling the Spanish soccer community is in an uproar over the KISS scene around the world between the head of the Spanish Soccer Federation and one of the World Cup's winners, the uh, players. Then yesterday, the National Association of Realtors, one of the biggest organizations in the U.S., the CEO resigned, claims of sexual harassment. And unfortunately, events like this have somewhat become normalized. Uh, and no matter your political stance, and, and we're not taking a stance on this, you can't avoid reading, watching, listening, having conversations about the misconduct crossfire, at, which is probably a good description, between about the January 6th in Georgia lawsuits involving former President Trump. On trial is our topic today, misconduct. So Jason and I are chopping at the bit to take a deep dive into the bombshell report just released by Fama Technologies, a good friend of ours of, 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 at GGG who have a GGG Unleashed series. But they just released a new report called State of Misconduct at Work. And it's a doozy. The CEO and founder of Fama, Ben Monis, will be joining us shortly to share what they found. And believe me, you don't want to miss it. But first, we're going to have our perfect labor storm segment. This is where on each episode, we focus on a disruptive, surprising, or worrisome trend that we believe you should know. In keeping with today's themes, but not stealing too much thunder from Ben, here are a few highlights from the State of Misconduct at Work report. This was a study that was included in the report from Cornerstone On Demand. And they discovered that just one toxic individual on a team of 20, that's only one out, one out of 20, 5%, lowers productivity by 30 to 40% and makes employees on the team 54% more likely to leave. Misconduct is also contagious. For every case of misconduct, there is a multiplier effect. 
basically for every three cases of misconduct, one additional coworker is likely to be fall into the trap. And misconduct costs a lot of money. On average, companies spend 5% of their annual revenues due to occupational fraud, 20 billion a year, and that number just keeps rising if you follow a lot of the profit a lot of the earning statements from companies these days, especially retail, 20 billion a year from employee theft, between $301,000 per employee on harassment and $172 billion to racial discrimination and intolerance. Those are mind boggling numbers, Ira. And yeah, it's good to be back today. I've missed you, my friend. And I'll tell you, today's episode, along with the perfect labor storm data you just shared there, as an eternal optimist, I'm going to be challenged today. And I'm looking forward to learning from Ben on this because I, I tend to try and have this mindset of seeing the best in other people. But today, we've also got to talk about some uncomfortable truths, many of which you just mentioned. Things like theft, harassment, substance abuse, discrimination being on the rise. And maybe this is also why I hadn't thought about this before, but when we talk about, you know, things being like a cancer, you talked about the multiplier effect here and and how if one person does it, how it can spread an organization that now helps me understand that metaphor a little bit better. And it also helps kind of helps me uh, remind me of students. They used to test their teachers in school to see what they could get away with. I'm sure you being a challenger, in a better way kind of person. I'm sure you probably did some of that in school. I know I did too, Ira, and I bet Ben did. But in this case, we don't have in-school suspension. So I'm eager to learn today and, and, and see what we can do around misconduct to try and help prevent these things from happening in the first place. Because I suspect that there's a lot of things from a culture standpoint that need to be in place to do that. So without further ado, let's give a warm Googleization Nation welcome to today's guest and the chief bad boy at Fama Technologies, Ben Monis. Right. Theme music, chief bad boy. There's some, there's some blinking lights that are coming your way. Yeah, yeah, totally. The, the smoke machine in the background. That's great. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. So excited uh, for today's conversation on the report state of workplace misconduct more generally and yeah offering up whatever learnings i can from our experience out in the field awesome ben well let's start here so you know we're talking about fama technologies in your latest report around misconduct tell us a little bit about you and fama technologies before we start diving into the goods on workplace misconduct yeah sure so real quick you know fama who we are we're a software company based out of california with offices all over the world, offices, meaning we got people everywhere. So we're a remote company, no, no RTO here at Fama. But yeah, really, in a sentence, what we do is help companies identify workplace misconduct via online screen. So whether it's folks that are hiring, you know, people to work on a factory line at a food processing plant, to senior executives, to healthcare workers, to financial services employees, wide range of businesses who are concerned with how do I make sure I'm hiring a really high quality person, not necessarily qualified, that's not really the word that we play in, but more of the quality candidate coming into our organization that, you know, to some of the data that you guys brought up earlier, going to make sure good people want to stay, right? Going to make sure the organization is productive. And while these concepts, I think, and the data is really interesting, this is something that businesses have been doing forever, right? Companies who've said, hey, look, I want to make sure I'm hiring great people. 
to ensure that we're advancing our mission with our customers, building a great culture. And now we're talking about new ways to kind of visualize and interpret that sort of insight and to layer in, I think, on decisions that HR practitioners and leaders have been making for years, right? I mean, all the certifications that you can dole out at a SHRM or HR tech, right? The years of practitioner work, the you know, PhDs, the masters of sciences, et cetera. For decades, there has been a whole community around trying to make sure how we figure out who's a quality of hire in an organization. Now, FAM is coming in you know, with a, a new set of tools and technologies to help identify that. So yeah, we're a business, been around for about eight years or so, raised about $35 million, recently acquired our biggest competitor, social intelligence, and yeah, about 3,500 clients, 22 countries, so global solution. And me, I live with my family in Glendale, uh, or excuse me, in Eagle Rock, California. I work in Glendale. I got two twin boys who are also bringing home germs from school right now. So that's been been nice at home. Got a dog, cat, fish, doing the whole suburban thing. I'm big into barbecue. My dad, fun fact about me, was the 1977 North Carolina pork cooking champion. So I always say you don't get, you know, too many Jews who win pork cooking competitions, but that's me and my family. And yeah, happy to be here. Still, you know, love cooking, do that a lot in my off time. And yeah, just super excited again and grateful uh, for the opportunity to join you guys on the pod today. So thanks again for having me. Ben, that might be one of the best intros of all time there with uh, the, the, the pork competition. But also, we got something in common. I didn't share this yet. I've got twin boys. No um, way! Three is, yeah. Yeah. How old? Yep, they're three. They're three. So and then I've got two older ones, nine and six. Just under two. Mine are just under two. So you, there you, you go. I got a lot to talk about then after the podcast. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Cool. And uh, so hey Ben, hey ben and, and not to not to dwell on this because we want to talk about misconduct, or maybe this is misconduct, but you'll will appreciate that every year we have our Hanukkah ham. So. Oh, I do. <laughs> nice. That is not misconduct. I do appreciate that. That is great conduct, in fact, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we uh, we cook a lot of pork in the Monas family, so I don't know I don't know how else to slice it. No I love it. So. And so, Ben, you know, misconduct for, for us, we probably think in terms of behavior at home with our yeah. boys. But yeah. let's set the table a little bit in terms of when we're talking about workplace misconduct, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So from your perspective and in your research and reports, let's set the table here a little bit. How did you define or how do you define workplace misconduct? Sure. It's it's really on the same sorts of rails, I would say, and definitions that have historically been adopted, modified, cultivated in the world of talent acquisition and HR. So you can think about categories like intolerance, threats, harassment, fraud, illegal activity, you know, some of what you mentioned too around substance abuse, being able to split out for example, the use of cannabis and other drugs. So, you know, really the categories of misconduct and the impacts on the organization are things that I'm sure many of the listeners on this podcast are familiar about, right? You know, these are things that like we've dealt with and tried to identify for years. And, and Fama's perspective is more that the shape of workplace misconduct has changed and the signals of that workplace misconduct have evolved as the ways that we interact with each other, work with one another, get to know one another, right? Especially post-pandemic, which is kind of the, you know, rapid acceleration of this, you know, hybrid in-office remote work environment where a lot of connections between employees, between employees and customers are happening on these digital spheres, these digital vectors, I kind of call it, you know, the, the, the rails of commerce now are really cloud-based, you know, how we interact, how we get to know one another. So 
it's in many ways us, you know, going to HR leaders, talent acquisition professionals and saying, hey, look, forever you've been trying to identify whether or not someone's going to come in and act in a threatening and harassing manner, right? And you see a lot of companies that unfortunately, you know, have put themselves in positions. You mentioned a few examples where executives and even I'll say frontline employees have been in positions to impact the company in a negative way, often in an unseen way. What Fama is saying is that, you know, now we got the power tools, you know, where you guys had a screwdriver before, or we're basically able to say, look, we can identify these sorts of signals as they exist online, rather than just, you know, waiting for something to come up in a, you know, meeting, job interview, that sort of thing. So it's, it's really about the same sorts of concepts, but a different expression of where those signals are, which is across publicly available social media, Google results. We have products that dig into, you know, civil litigation for certain executives, news sites, et cetera. So really think about who we are in text and image as it exists online. That's really FAMA's remit for risk analysis that companies then use as part of their hiring process. Ben, I, I know we're going to get into this because you have your 5% rule. I, I sort of briefly mentioned that in our yeah. in the perfect labor storm. But, you know, certainly when we talk about toxic employees, I think a lot of people's mind immediately goes to personality differences, you know, whether it's, you know, narcissism or somebody's you know, just loud or abusive or, or whatever it is. And, and those could be end up being harassment, but a lot of times it's just their nature. So you we have that aspect of it. But then you also and I know you distinguish this in the report between general misconduct and gross misconduct, and certainly the the highlights that, that I provided to you. I guess maybe we had one of one of an example of each. Uh, that kiss could at one time would have been blown off. That's just kind of normal behavior or bad behavior falling into just he's an obnoxious person, and you know that's just that's just him. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. now we don't have that, so we've sort of crossed the line. But then we we have some, you know, there's gross misconduct. So there's there's different levels of this. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Because I, I, again, I think when we talk about the toxic, you know, that toxic personality, we're right. th- this is beyond that. You're you're differentiating beyond that. Yeah, I think it's important to reflect on the fact that this is not a binary spectrum. Meaning it's not like, you know, one person is toxic and one person is not and you are or you aren't type thing. This is in many ways a spectrum that is a two way door, a spectrum that is evolving and changing over time as the expectations of public markets, customers and employees evolve. What you just mentioned around the kiss, you know, I would say for the Spanish Football Federation, while that might have been appropriate years ago. You know, someone's, oh, they laughed it off. Appropriate, maybe not, but, you know, laughed it off. So it's not a big deal. Now it's not appropriate. Now it's something that is not okay, not acceptable, not just by constituents out in the world, but the Football Federation itself. You see a lot of these teams now coming out in support of this person resigning, right, from their post as the head of the Federation. So I think what you've seen is sort of companies evolving their definitions of what misconduct looks like as a reflection of shifting expectations of their customers and their employees, right? And so that's kind of this ever evolving sort of, you know, target that's difficult, I think, for HR leaders at times to pin down. You ask the question, hey, what does misconduct look like to your organization? You ask a single HR team, you might get five different answers from five different people. So all that said, like, while it is a spectrum and can be, you know, difficult to parse out what is misconduct and not, you know, at any given point in time from any person's perspective, there are things that are, you know, blatantly obvious, right? You know, we've done things at Fama like stop workplace shooters, for example, 
gross misconduct, people that have talked online about hurting people who they work with, right? Those are things that immediately obvious that's someone, you know, that, that we want to identify and pull out, you know, the employee population or candidate population as quickly as possible, right? You know, bright red line violation. You might have on the other side of it, what I'll call someone, you know, call it in our media and entertainment industry, right? If you look at media entertainment in the report, I don't want to spoil too much of it. I would love, you know, everyone who's listening to go out, read and download. It's free. You don't have to pay for it, right? So you have to put in your contact info, you know, promise we won't bother you, email you, try to get you to jump on the phone with us. Like, check it out. We spent about a year putting the work into this, but you can see, you know, media and entertainment, right? 27% incidence rate of misconduct. And that's in the pre-employment screening process that these folks validate and verify. That means almost a quarter of the people that we're screening have some sort of general definition of misconduct in their background. Now, that doesn't mean that a quarter of those people aren't going to be hired. What that often means is that there are points of intervention along that candidate and employee life cycle where an HR leader might say, you know, give you an example, it's not a workplace shooter. Someone who made a, you know, misogynistic joke five years ago, one time, right? Otherwise, there's nothing else in their background. Maybe they were young in their early 20s, right? They made a comment, they made a joke. Maybe they just liked a few pieces of content online. We see all the time HR leaders who simply correct course with that person. They'll say, hey, look, like, we know you're probably just joking. And we know this was a long time ago. But that sort of stuff doesn't fly at our company. That's not what makes good people want to stay. That's not what make our customers trust us. And oftentimes it's that sort of like initial point of correction that employees get and they rally around. You know, it's, it's companies aren't doing this because they're this like big brother in an ivory tower and they want to, you know, make sure that everybody is saying what they you know should be saying. It's much more like this is the type of people our employees want to work with. These are the types of people our customers want to buy from. It's, it's really that simple. So I think boiling down these sorts of concepts into the why and what for, there are concepts that we've been focused on in HR for, for years. So, you know, I, I think that's just an important way to, to kind of think about the difference between gross and, and regular misconduct. Yeah, Ben, as, as you were talking about those things, and again, a lot of this is perception, but what was accepted in the past and, and somewhat normalized is, is now an incident. So just over the weekend, we had a faculty meeting, I'm, I'm an adjunct, and there was a faculty meeting and they had a DEI presentation and they talked about the, the importance, you know, being aware, I can say the importance, but being aware of microaggressions and something similar that the, the speaker was a black woman. And she said, I can't tell you how many times a day people will come up and say, can I touch your hair? You know, just things like that, that we didn't think was that, that we, some of us just may think, I wouldn't have done that, whether you had a bald head or, you know, or what gender you are, or ethnicity, but other people might just be curious and it could be unintentional, but it's, it's offensive to right. some other people. Right. So this, you're right. It's not binary. It's, um, it's not a binary choice. It's, it's a very large and widening spectrum. That we deal with it but as you were talking there was one area that i i you know i can't help I, I believe people will be thinking about is the fact that we that all this information is public and it's out there and especially with the the shooting at unc the other day sure. that the person you know seven six or seven years ago there was a medical there was an incident where this that were you know authorities were alerted that this person uh, had a mental health problem but everything else was pretty normal I guess there's, there's still a fine line of where are we going with privacy mm. with this and that somebody sees an incident from seven or 10 years ago or a statement, a misogynist statement, a harassment statement 
and then it comes up and and maybe there was one second incident so it it becomes there's a lot of judgment i guess is what i'm saying that goes into this versus you just coming out with hey don't hire this person or hire this person right you know i i think one just point is there's stuff like mental health right which never should be considered in a hiring decision that's protected right you should never look at a person's mental health history as part of private or not private, right? That's never something that should be considered as part of whether or not this person should come into our organization. But other than being illegal to to do that. But. <laughs> totally. Like it's illegal. You can't do that, right? Like that that's, that, that's ultimate misconduct, right? right. <laughs> Both that, parties. That's something that, you know, the, uh, you know, from whether, you know, various NLRB all the way to the FTC, like pick your, pick, pick your institution, can't do it, right? And so that's right. one thing that, you know, Fama, part of what we offer to our clients is the ability to only escalate job relevant behaviors, meaning job relevant types of misconduct that they themselves have identified have a straight line impact, you know, to something that could happen in the workplace. So when it comes to privacy, there's a couple quick points is that we're regulated, like, just like any other background screening firm by the FCRA. So there are certain, you know, elements of that, the GDPR as well, the PEPIDA uh, privacy legislation in Canada, the California, where we are, you know, located the California privacy legislation, all of which essentially require a few key principles, one of which is consent making sure that if this data and this report is going to be used in a hiring decision, that the candidate has an opportunity to challenge that information. And should they say, hey, look, you know, that wasn't me, you got it wrong. They have the ability to challenge with us directly, work with the you know, employer themselves. Other pieces to remember too, is this is only publicly available information. So we're not looking at anything that would be private behind a friend wall, privacy, anything like that. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff too around like look back periods, the framework of the legislation itself requires an employer to be able to say, hey, if this exists online, it's going to have this impact on our company. And they would want to defend that, you know, if challenged. Right. And so there's a bunch of, I would say, compliance and legal frameworks you have to follow that protect the candidate and the company from making a decision based on private information. But unfortunately, because we're such a new technology, this is still the Wild West. You know, a lot of companies out there don't go to Fama. A lot of companies just Google people, Facebook them themselves, like look them up online, see stuff that they shouldn't see. For example, let's say I'm a hiring manager. And instead of going with Fama, I say, hey, look, you know, I just want to look this person up, make sure for all the reasons that we just talked about that they're going to be a good fit. If I happen to go, let's just, you know, use a few different protected classes. And I go on and I see that, you know, this person is black, pregnant and disabled, you know, three categories, right, that are protected. The EEO says you can't unsee that information. You can't unring the bell, right? And so a lot of companies that kind of do this themselves end up exposing themselves to that legal risk of seeing things that they shouldn't see. So it's a conflated environment because there are a lot of like onesie twosie types of businesses that will just do it on their own. But when you migrate over to a third party that's gone through the compliance, I would say, you know, development, but also putting the controls in place, regulated by federal entities in the states and abroad is how you really ensure that you're protecting, you know, privacy from from that perspective. And and I guess the last point on that is, you know, when I started the company, I didn't come out of HR talent acquisition. You know, I had hired someone who looked great on paper, resume reference checked out. They ended up sexually harassing one of our employees really bad for the business, for this woman, horrible thing across the board. We see after the fact on this guy's social media, all this like pejorative misogynistic content about women that had we seen it, we never would have brought him on board. Right. And so that was kind of the founding story of me experiencing the pain that we solve for today. And so when I started, you know, we looked at the compliance and said, hey, look, like if this is something that 
people are going to sign a consent form, aren't they just going to make everything private, right? Or delete all the racist things that they said online. When in fact, what we found over the years is that the people that, as you said earlier, have kind of normalized acting intolerant, threatening, harassing, are public about it. Don't think there's anything wrong with that behavior. Those are the folks who have normalized that mindset that they bring into your company, right? And so, you know, there's a bunch bunch more there, you know, and I'm happy to, to chat more about it, maybe in a follow-up, but that's kind of how to think about the rough compliance privacy world. And in that same sphere, Ben, artificial intelligence now is making it harder and harder to decipher what's true and what's not. From deep fakes to sophisticated phishing scams and things like that, as we're looking into the future, I've got to think that's going to make it even more important. You just shared the dichotomy of two different approaches. Some companies that are still just doing the, hey, let's search for this on Google and see what pops up about this person. Right. Compared to using a verified vendor like Fama to help sort through this. Can you help us unpack that? Because I've got to imagine you use the words, it's like the Wild West out there. We've got to be just at the tip of the iceberg of what is about to be an avalanche of disinformation that could potentially be out there about people, making it even more important to have a vendor like Fama, a trusted advisor, to help sort through those things. Yeah, it's a problem that's pervasive in our industry, certainly, but across the board, right? You've seen medical licensing exams passed by ChatGPT, right? You're seeing all these tools and technologies. I'm sure Ira in your world too, in academia, trying to figure out was this paper written by AI or was it written by my student, right? Or in my world, you know, is this really the subject who's claiming to be John Smith, John Doe, right? You know, who's really we think our candidate, or is it somebody else, or is it AI? So, you know, to your point, there's a lot of Jason interesting technologies out there that we can use and leverage that really dig into at a at a really granular level what text looks like from a human versus what text looks like from a machine and being able to parse those two things out and also identify disinformation. The technology is out there, I'll put it that way. And you can expect to see a little bit more from Fama in that in 2024, because that is an area that we're starting to look at now, misinformation, disinformation. And believe it or not, HR leaders are asking, especially in high volume scenarios, call centers, retail, manufacturing, when people are applying for a job, we're hearing from our customers, like, can you help me tell if this is a real person or not? You know, and I don't mean like an I-9 ID verification. I mean, like, is this person actually a human or is it somebody running 10 different AI personalities trying to, you know, work for a remote company and make a, make a quick buck, you know? So, so it's a really new world, I think, to your point, Jason, that we're, we're going to see over the coming months. Yeah, as far as your comment, Ben, about uh, me being academia, I mean, I am an adjunct and I teach, you know, two courses, but I'm probably more of a challenge to academia than, or as much of a challenge. <laughs> Yesterday, I was encouraging the students to use ChatGPT, you know, at least to, to get some creative ideas and, yeah. and, and, and to learn how to use it, not, but don't submit the papers, you know, right. <laughs> you know from that. But yeah, it's, it's an incredibly scary time, especially with the, an election coming up. There, there's so many questions that, that I have. Before we take the break, let's see if we can squeeze in you know, one fairly quick one. I hope this is a quick answer. But I, I know you, in, in your analysis for this report, what was it, like 45 million pieces of data? I mean, it was some crazy. Yeah, yeah big, it was, some crazy. I mean, number. the overall number of like, the amount of social media content and web content we reviewed is actually in the hundreds of millions. 
um, of total pieces, but like what gets picked up in terms of flag content is closer to that yeah, right. 45. Yeah, I mean, it, that's that's just a crazy number. So I just want to let, you know, all the listeners know that this wasn't a survey of like 300, you know, people. I know, this is hundreds <laughs> of thousands of people across a wide range of industries, across a wide range of geographies, all anonymized and aggregated. No PII included, of course, but just like hit rate, vertical industry segment. So, and you did mention this just briefly before. I mean, so it goes across all these industries, but like so many other organizations, I know we worked with the talent board, you know, and they did a great job and they have 300 companies, two to 300 companies a year that participate. It, it's always somewhat, I guess, looks at me, I'm looking at it somewhat as a bias because there's people that are interested, the people that are that that are working with you say, we we want to do better. We want to improve. So if if the problem, if misconduct is so prevalent in companies that are trying to do better, what's the real state of misconduct out yeah. there? I mean, I don't even think it, it, it's probably not even an 80 20 rule. It's, it's yeah, probably more like know, a 595 rule. I, I think not to invoke a overused, you know, concept or term, but knowing is half the battle here. Right. Like this is one of these things of saying, how do we identify as an organization where we are within the landscape? Because screening is, is my world. Right. Screening is something that I think about nonstop. Right. It's you know, my recommendation would be, hey, let's roll out screening. But there are so many other things companies do to mitigate misconduct in the workplace. And it starts with talent sourcing. Like what are the ponds that you're fishing? in, Right. Are they reflective of the community you want to build customers you want to serve? Right. How are company policies? How are these sort of onboarding processes established to begin instilling value, meaning your values as an organization into that employee, at least making it clear, you know, what what's on the table there. There are a lot of tools, too, I would say, for, you know, companies that are looking at their existing employee base. There's a great you know company who I know here in L.A. called All Voices. They do harassment reporting and sort of uh, alignment around ensuring there's no breach of company policy or procedure. So, you know, a lot of that sort of reporting tech, making it anonymous, making people ensure that they know that they have a voice, that they can speak up without retribution. I find that monitoring employees is something that while sometimes talked about is not something that we recommend. Oftentimes, like, unless you're doing it for a very specific reason, like you're in a national security context, or you've had a threat of workplace violence, for example, where you known, hey, there's an issue that we really need to solve because it's material, it's happening now. We heard about a problem that lives are in danger. Those are the context, I think, where monitoring makes sense. But you have to be really careful as an HR leader around just because the technology is out there and a lot of it like blew up during the pandemic and I'll just like categorize it all in the world of keystroke monitoring and whether people are logged in, you know, if they're at their computer, right? That stuff in, in our experience tends to diminish trust in the workforce around the company that they're engaging with and leaders that have rolled out those sorts of tools and technology. Cause you got at the same time, like get everybody involved and, and engaged at your company as to why you're doing this. Right. A lot of times we get questions from clients that are like, Hey, can you help us message why we're adding this into our pre-employment screening process? And a lot of times it's like, Hey, look, like we're only going to screen for references to intolerance, threats, harassment, and fraud over the past two years. That's it. That's all we're doing because we want to make sure the people coming in, the threads that are part of this fabric are the threads that we want, right? Are the threads that you all want here too. So a lot of it is, again, distilling down into basic concepts that we've already 
agreed, I think, is as HR leaders are important, which is hiring good quality humans. Ben, and Tim. ben it, we've got a lot more to cover, um, but we just have a few minutes after the break. So when we come back, I want to talk on a couple things. The report did a really, really interesting job of defining misconduct across different industries. So we want to talk about some of the industries that they're doing well, some of them that are not, and people can dig into a lot more when they download the report. Let me just put that up once again, where you can get it. I know somebody put it in the comments, probably Nicole from, from your company or Amy, maybe, but you can go to fama.io forward slash resource. It pop nice pop-up right there and download the report. It's quite easy to be able to do that. But we're going to take a quick break. We will be back in two minutes. We're going to continue the conversation. When we come back, I want to talk about the different industries, which ones are doing well, which ones aren't. There's a great question we had from comments. What do you do when the leadership team is toxic? And how do you know what might employees be able to do with that? We'll talk about that. And unfortunately, I'm not sure we'll be able to cover everything we want to talk about. So we'll have to have you back at some point. But right now, he That's will be good. coming back after two minutes. Stay tuned. Are you ready to turn your organization into a vibrant, interconnected ecosystem where employees don't just work, but thrive? It's time to reimagine your workplace with every individual contributing uniquely to your collective success. Learn how to empower each team member to discover their own path while aligning with your organization's purpose. Create an environment where job satisfaction, employee engagement, and meaningful work intersect, creating a powerhouse of productivity, innovation, and fulfillment. Let us help you create the connected organization where you build bridges, not walls, between employees and their teams, roles, and your culture. So are you ready to bridge the gap? Let's embark on this journey together. Don't let your employees simply do their jobs and take home a paycheck. Let them connect, collaborate, and create a difference. Step into the future with a connected organization. Because when you're connected, you're unstoppable. Are your employees feeling stuck and just showing up for a paycheck? Is your workforce working harder to get back to normal than adapting to the future? It's time to help them break their addiction to certainty and develop a growth mindset. Developed by one of the world's top-rated future of work thought leaders, AQ Plus Mindset is a powerful tool to help your employees embrace change, adapt faster, and grow on the job. Conveniently delivered to any smartphone or laptop and easy to digest 5 to 10 minute lessons. Managers can sit back and watch employee attitude shift towards growth and innovation in just 30 days. Are you ready to help your employees thrive in this ever-changing, never-normal world? Encourage them to show more grit, resilience, adaptability, and unlock their potential? The journey to a growth-filled future starts with a growth mindset. Visit aqplusmindset.com or call 484-373-4300. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. We're here today with Ben Monis from Fama Technologies. We're talking about the state of misconduct at work. Uh, fascinating. Uh, if you missed the first uh, few minutes, uh, please go back and listen to it because uh, it moved incredibly fast, and uh, we're just scratching the surface of that. Ben, one of the questions that we had, which started the, the breach before the break, was about the, the variations that, uh, among industry industries. And there were some that were pretty appalling numbers, especially what you found, the difference between 2021 and 2022, huge, huge changes in that. 
but also, you know, looking at that, what trends, so what, what industries are doing well, which ones aren't, that's where your 5% rule kind of comes, comes into play. And, uh, you know, where do we go from there? So you can think about industries, I'd say that, that we've seen that are doing well or really mapped to more of the high reg, highly regulated types of industries. You can think about like healthcare, financial services, for example. And that might be because there are already a lot of controls at the, the pre-employment screening process to make sure that, you know, the person coming in doesn't just, you know, look like a qualified candidate, but is actually a quality candidate, you know, coming into the org. So those are companies that, you know, tend to, to fall under. There were only two companies that had an under 5% hit rate or two industries, excuse me. But the ones that you saw that, that had a much more significant impact Media entertainment, 27%, consumer services, education, technology, right? And, you know, if you think anecdotally, you know, about media entertainment specifically, right? I think you've been commented in the, the LinkedIn post promoting this session here today. You know, it's somewhat endemic to the industry, right? Of like the history of just kind of, you know, business getting done over dinner, over, you know, drinks, et cetera, that kind of cultivate the types of people coming into an org. So I think it's important to know that like, you know, we're not saying that any of these, you know, people are bad people or these people are good people in financial services, healthcare, but much more of just the overall sourcing of candidates, you know, those folks coming into the organization, right? Because the types of misconduct that we see most frequently are things like harassment, you know, sexual misconduct, intolerance, right? But, you know, healthcare, government, nonprofit, those are ones that fell under the 5% rule with financial services, you know, creeping slightly above it. So, you know, think of, those sorts of categories, government, nonprofit, healthcare as being the ones under 5%, financial services, just a little bit above, but other industries, you know, where you see a lot more workplace misconduct are ones that unfortunately too often you hear and read news stories about, about, hey, CEO steps down, harassment lawsuit, you know, class action, that kind of thing. Ben, did you all find anything around remote work? That's one of the other major changes that's happened over the last couple of years is more people working from home. How is that influencing good or bad our data on conduct in the workplace? Yeah, from a, a data expression standpoint, meaning like the way the data is structured, we weren't able to add in the remote work vector. But I can say that overall, the levels of misconduct, you know, in a post-pandemic environment have increased. I think it's largely because people, you know, drawn into their homes. It might be that that signal, you know, is more prevalent when we're getting to know are people online more than we are offline, right? And so, yeah, I would say the the industries, again, you know, are the ones that, that we mentioned, but yeah, RTO, we haven't unfortunately been able to really dig too deeply into, you know, the impact there of, of, of work, remote work versus on-site. Yeah, that'd be a great, uh, I guess, uh, rabbit hole <laughs> to go down. Um, it's just we're talking. I mean, the correlation because oh. I know some of the I know some of the numbers in the in in, in the industries went from like thirteen to twenty one percent, or I mean, they almost doubled. You know the the rates of misconduct, and certainly somebody can so, some look at that and say, well, look at the correlation. That's when remote work came into play, and um, it's much more nuanced and sophisticated, yeah. you know, than that. But I'm I'm sure somebody will jump on that bandwagon and, and blame it on remote work. When, Maybe that's a BT for us. I think that'd be a really yeah interesting vector to add. In. Yeah. I mean, re remote um, bullying, sexual harassment, employee theft. I've been in the work, you know, in, in this world for 40 years and it's, they've, they've always been topics 
and they're just becoming a lot more you know prevalent and we're much more aware of that so there's also a detection side to that the companies that are coming to you you know that that reach out to fama what what's i guess what's the incentive i mean are they are they I guess there could be a couple ways, and maybe it maybe it's split among those. Of some that are just trying to be proactive, they're trying to create that best place to work, build their brand, right. um, and other ones may have just had that CEO or or an event that says, "Hey, like just like you, that hey, we just hired somebody, looked great on paper, interviews went well, but you know, it turned out to be a, a nuclear disaster with within the organization." So, what is there a kind of a, a group? that tends to reach out to you and, and participate? Yeah, there, in the early days, uh, before I would say online screening really caught on like it has now, in the early days, it was really just folks who were reactive. You know, as you kind of mentioned, companies that missed something, had to make sure they didn't do it again, kind of came down from the CEO like, hey, HR, don't miss that because, you know, my butt's on the line if we do, right? And so, that was kind of the early days. What's what's evolved now, and I think it's a reflection again of like how we live our lives evolving so substantially. I remember when I started the company, people would be like, social media, like, what does that have to do with hiring anybody? Like my kids are on social media. I don't use social. And this is like, you know, 2014, 2015, right? And so still early days, you know. But now when I tell people about Fama, they're like, oh man, what a great idea. I can't believe no one ever thought about that, right? And so I think we're kind of at this moment where Fama, you know, as a business, we really benefited from sort of macro changes in how we all live and how we engage, right? With so much of our lives being led online, I'll go back to, you know, that post pandemic, you've seen social media usage dramatically increase. You've seen computer usage, time spent on phones dramatically increase for a range of generations, not just Gen Z, but boomers all the way down from millennials, like that whole category, everyone is spending more time online. And I think that's why, you know, you begin to see more of adoption of solutions like ours. Again, you mentioned you've been doing it for 40 years. You've been looking for this sort of stuff for decades. Now it's just expressed in a different way. Now the tools have changed. Now the appearance of these insights have evolved to reflect modern times in 2023. So now what's interesting is like companies that come to us are just saying, look, I need to improve quality of hire. I need to make sure that the humans that are coming into my organization are good people that reflect our values and the values of our customers, plain and simple. Help me do that. How can we go down that path together? So in the early days, I'd say it was a little bit more reactive where now it's proactive companies, forward-thinking HR leaders. And you know, whenever I'm at a conference, I'll, I'll look down and I'll see if someone's wearing like an Apple Watch, for example, and talking to me about you know, the, the latest apps that they're excited about or, you know, new tech that they've read about online. A lot of those forward thinking executives, those are the ones that have made that connection. You mentioned that Cornerstone study early on. That Cornerstone study is from, I think, seven or eight years ago at this point. And now it takes that long to find its way into the practitioner mindset. So I, I really think it's an evolution of how we live our lives, you know, that has really fundamentally changed the types of uh, folks coming to follow. So Ben, I got to ask this question before we start wrapping up here. What was one of the most shocking or surprising things that Fama found in this research report? You know, the part of it was was not just the data that we created, but the third party research that we did along the way. You know, there are 86 citations in this report. So a huge amount of just like primary data research that we've taken, compiled it with our own, bringing those two pieces together 
were the big insights. You know, I think the social multiplier effect of workplace misconduct, you know, 1.59x, each incident of workplace misconduct leads to 0.59 more incidences of workplace misconduct, right? And so, you know, we've all known that phrase forever of like, a rotten apple can spoil the bunch. You know, I remember from, you know, I'm sure, Jason, the stories we're reading to our kids, right? You know, like, where spot, you know, brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? You know, we can go go through all that together, right? But like, That's right. those are stories, you know, that you, you hear early on that are drilled into you as a child, and, and those concepts don't really change over time. And so I think that was the biggest insight to me was the social multiplier effect, and then comparing that with incidents and hit rates. The, the, the reality is of, of this sort of problem is like, and, and sometimes this is the frustrating part is, HR leaders get the involuntary, you know, termination data. How many folks left early? How many folks left on their own volition, right? You know, measuring and, and looking at turnover and saying, how could we, you know, impact this, right? How can we evolve? How can we change this piece of it? And so I think all too often we're dealing with the inputs and the outputs and trying to figure out what happened in between across the candidate experience into the employee experience and then leading into some of these KPIs and metrics from an HR performance standpoint. You know, but the, the big piece for me was like, people coming into your organization can affect people who are already there. You know, that was the really significant impact for, for me in this report and then pairing that with the overall hit rates and incidents rates, just quantifying it because we all knew forever that these are things that are problems, but now putting some data around it, that's at least for the way my brain works, makes it a lot clearer and easier to understand. Before we go to our last questions, Ben, I'm, and I'm going to go back, and I think you just answered it, but I want to make sure uh, Pamela had left the question early, and she said, what happens when the leadership is toxic and line staff just models that behavior? I think you just answered that. It's, you know, it doesn't matter if, if the rotten apple is is the, the lowest paid employee or the top paid employee or sitting in the C-suite or is on the front line. That 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 multiplier effect is gonna is gonna take hold. They're probably a bigger question, which we don't have time to answer today. Is what do we do about it? But there's some tips you have in your in in the report. Yeah, a lot of data in the report, and I think the challenge, you know, to Pamela's point is like, while the multiplier effect that we called out in the report is general across seniorities, you can imagine in a vertical organization, somebody who's setting expectations around leadership, ethics, values for a company setting those in a way that doesn't reflect what their employees or customers care about can be even more problematic. So I would say certainly like executive screening, executive due diligence, you got to go deep, you know, to make sure the yep. person coming in is going to lead that work the right way. Yeah. And I think you cited in the report, but I had used this quite a bit. I know Jason's pretty familiar with it, the MIT study that was done on company culture, that company mm -hmm. culture is 10 times more toxic than mm -hmm. even the even bad compensation within yeah. that and you know we talk about that every week on this show we talk about the importance of company culture so necessarily when leadership setting that bad example then that's that's probably the, the the evasive epidemic through the and endemic throughout the entire culture sure with that so uh we always have one question we like to kind of give you a chance to answer and then we got a couple other fun ones that we're going to do but the question is is was there something that we should have asked but we didn't no, I think we, you know, we covered a lot specifically on the, the realm of the report. The, the only thing that I would sort of point to is the power in the data, meaning that for so long, you know, if you think about some of the biggest companies on the NASDAQ, 
you've seen these companies, you know, Meta, for example, that have monetized our online actions in a way that we've never seen before, right? And I would just encourage everyone to recognize, you mentioned January 6th, the top of the session, that was one of the first times that a lot of people, Jack Dorsey included, said offline harm can happen from online action. And I think a lot of folks that, you know, uh, maybe grew up with smartphones or grew up with social media that are now in sort of the, the early phases of their career can empathize with this. That's the importance of that online identity and it being deeper, more complex, more nuanced than even who we are offline. And I think that's just the one piece I would mention is that I encourage everybody to really think about the power in the data uh, that exists out there and that if it's if it's free, you are the product, as they say. So, you know, this is one of these things that I always encourage, you know, and remind folks to, to think about, too, is that it's powerful. You know, that there's real, real power behind this. Well, Ben, we promise in this next segment, it's called the lightning round. We're not going to ask you any questions that are going to set off any of those signals at FAMA in terms of pre-employment screening. So we're, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it above board here. But we do want to help everyone get to know you a little bit better, kind of on the personal side. So sure. is it okay if we ask you a few questions here real quick? Let's do it. I'm ready. Cool. Let's start with a, a fairly easy one, I bet. How about a favorite band or a favorite song? Ooh, I was just talking to a friend the other day. I'm going to go Paul Simon, Late in the Evening. Favorite song. Nice. First time we've had Paul Simon on the Lightning Round segment. There we Classic. Go. Love that, Ben. Uh, how about this one? If there was one person in the history of the world that you could meet and spend the day with, who would it be? Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, cool. Why? I'm just fascinated by this guy's journey and his founding story. And I'm, I'm probably because I'm like reading a book called The Rise of Teddy Roosevelt right now. But I love reading biographies of, you know, people that had a big impact on the world. And yeah, Teddy was definitely one of them. And, you know, they're I'm, at this beginning of the book, they talk about uh, how he said that, you know, you could uh, any American on New Year's Day should come and wish the president Happy New Year. So I don't know if people know this, but he would have 10,000 people line up outside the White House and literally shake everyone's hand who came in and do it all in one day. And I just think that that sort of leadership is is really cool and meaningful, uh, you know, for somebody that came from the Roosevelt family, which is like, you know, one of the original settlers of, of New York and, uh, you know, uh, went on to become the obviously president of the United States and, and all that. So, yeah, Teddy Roosevelt. Cool. I like that. The first time we've had uh, Teddy Roosevelt on too. walk softly and carry a big stick. That's right. That's the main phrase. How about this one? A hidden talent or something that would surprise most people about Ben Bonus? I can throw a grape in the air. At least the most I've ever done is three stories and catch it in my mouth. Well, what? I think I think we're going to have to see this. OK, I'm, I'm not saying I don't believe you, but I think the next time we have you on the show, we're going to have to stage this and we're going to actually have to do this because that's got to be a Guinness World Record, right? No, no, I, I, I looked it up. The Guinness World Record is much more absurd than that. But uh, it's all on the job. It's all on the job. Getting the job. That's it. OK, that's so logistically, awful. I've got to ask if I know it's lightning round, but I've got to ask another question. Is this you throwing the grape up in the air and catching it or is someone dropping it off of? like a flight of stairs or a skyscraper or something and you catching it. What if I was to tell you both, both, I can go both ways, either way. If it's a good toss, I'll catch it. 
Well, I, I appreciate you letting me know. I don't need to put you in a box. I mean, this is your thing. So why am I forcing you into one corner? So yes, I, I like both. We need to try both. We need to try both. We if you're going to be at HR, time. if anyone's going to be at HR Tech, flag me down. I'll be there. Come to the Fama booth. Throw a grape. I'll catch it in my mouth. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. And then last one. You got a free plane ticket. Where are you going? I'm going to say. Bangkok, Thailand. I've never, uh, never been to Southeast Asia and I've, I've always been uh, interested. And I think going to Southeast Asia and puttering around for a couple of weeks would be really fun. Nice. Do you like Pad Thai? Do, do like Pad Thai. And I there you go. love, you know, Thai food in general. So yeah, that, that whole <clears throat> part of the world is, is really fascinating and interesting to me. And uh, I'd love to make a trip. Never been. Awesome. Ben, you killed it, man. Thanks for letting us get to know you a little bit more on a personal level too. For those that are, are uh, wanting to get in touch with you or learn more about the work that you're doing at Fama, what's the best way to get in touch? LinkedIn. I'm a big LinkedIn user, so feel free to connect uh, with me on LinkedIn. Follow whatever you got, whatever is easiest for you. And uh, check us out, Fama.io. Fill out a contact form you want to talk with us. We will pick that up and talk to you whenever you'd like. So, Perfect. Yeah. And those who are going to reach out and connect with Ben on LinkedIn, the way you spell his last name is M. O-N-E-S. Ben, thanks again so much for being with us today, and we look forward to continuing the conversation in the future. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me, for the audience, for uh, tuning in, and uh, we'll look forward to maybe doing it again, diving deeper into some of the topics we talked about today. Thanks very much, Ben. Really appreciate it. Oh, I forgot to ask the most important question. Are, what, what are you, what are you uh, doing your pork in? Are you doing Traeger? No, so I'll I'll do whole hog and a kahachina, uh, which is sort of you put the coals on top and it's sort of like an induction cooking thing. It's highly conducive heat aluminum. But I'm a little bit old school when it comes to smoking. I'm a Weber grill guy. I just use charcoal and wood chips and uh, put the meat on there and let it let it go. I don't I don't do pellets or uh, you know anything like that in terms of traditional smokers. Nice. So I'm straight hardwood. Nice. Hopefully. Well, sometime uh, not only will we see you catch a grape, but maybe we'll be able to eat some of your pork. But- Sounds like we just need to do barbecue. We can do both. That's right. Yeah. Barbecue contest. <laughs> All right. Hey, <laughs> hey, thanks very much, Ben. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. And, and before we forget, I just want to make sure that everybody, that anybody's watching, they can see scrolling across the bottom of the screen a state of the misconduct at work report. You can get it at fama.io forward slash resource. And for those that are listening, I just shared where it was, fama.io forward slash resource. And then you can download the report. It's free and very easy and just packed full of information. We just, we didn't even scratch the surface of it, you know, today with what was in there. Yeah, Ira, what were some of the biggest takeaways for you today? I, I think just the complexity, you know, when we talk about misconduct, I think before it was always, you know, it was theft sexual harassment, bullying, you know, something on that order, but it's much more sophisticated, much more nuanced, much more pervasive than we ever thought. And then looking at the impact, and we we barely got into that. I read some stats off in the beginning what the impact of some of that conduct was, but it literally cost companies trillions of dollars when you start adding it up. And it was out there and just really funny at the end that I don't know why this popped into my head, but I know we were talking about, you know, AI and and how that's going to I think we're just at the very early chapter of how that's going to impact, you know, hiring, screening, deep fakes. You know, even I was thinking when uh, they were talking about having a short, you know, can imagine somebody sending in a short video and it may not even be the person. Right. (laughs) It can be totally fabricated. 
But I had a laugh because yesterday when I said about using ChatGPT in class and, and how in, in colleges and, and schools, that's a big issue. It reminded me because when I started Muhlenberg a long, long time ago, we had to use a slide rule. And we were not able to use a calculator because that was considered cheating. Yeah. So wow. the problems get magnified. But now, you know, now it's about ChatGPT. And back then it was about using a scientific calculator. That's Things incredible. Never change. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. And then one for me was the the social multiplier effect, and I hadn't really thought about it that much until today. And I started connecting the dots. Think back to MTV show Jackass, mm -hmm. and and how at that time how crass and abrasive it was. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe these guys are doing that. It still is. And Ira, now <laughs> it's become more common though. Like yeah. almost everyone. You know, it's like, okay, I can create an Instagram reel. I can create a YouTube short of me doing something that's absolutely ridiculous on a plane and it's going to go viral. It, it almost makes me wonder if because now the proliferation of everyone's looking for that moment of wanting to be in the spotlight and celebrating and doing egregious behavior sometime, have we gotten to a point where that's infiltrated into the workplace? as Ben was talking about, where there's some kind of an effect there where we kind of are in this new world now where folks think that it's more okay to do that if they're trying to get the hits on the social media platform. And it just makes you wonder sometime how much of an effect that's having on, on our youth in particular, but even us as adults too. But that was one of the, the big ones for me. But uh, Googleization Nation, it was great to be back with you after being away for a few weeks. Great to be back with you, Ira, and looking forward to next week already. If you haven't liked and subscribed the show, please do so. Apple, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast platform is, but also we're really pushing on YouTube. Please follow our YouTube channel and subscribe to it, as well as Instagram. Um, we're putting a lot more stuff on Instagram as well. So until next time, I'm Jason Cochran signing off. And I'm Ira Wolf. A reminder, I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, my new book is out, The Change, Insights into Self-Empowerment. I had the pleasure uh, and very grateful to be able to co-author that with 20 other people. It's part of the fastest growing personal development series in the world. We're giving it away for free, the, the digital version. So you simply could go to irawolf.com, click on books, and then click on The Change, and you'll be able to download the book and get it immediately. So just one more opportunity there. We want to thank everybody for being part of Googleization Nation. And until next time, don't let the shift hit your plans. Thanks for listening to Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization. This show was produced and edited by Hilton Productions.